0: Hi everyone and welcome to The Gathering, honest conversations about life, faith and everything in between. Today I'm in the studio with Abiola, Mo and Oyen, and we're joined by Grady. Today we're going to be talking about aligning your desires with God's will, we're going to explore how he came to Christ, being called to ministry and serving others and also having blind faith. Hi Grady. Hi. Hi, welcome. We're happy (laughs) to have you here. Thank you for
1: having me. Appreciate it. It's great to meet you all.
0: Um, So I guess we could just dive in and kind of ask you a question that I think is key for probably every every believer. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you in your life when you first came to Christ?
1: I was in second year of uni and um, it was a really interesting period because I was right in the um, in the midst of the uni experience. I was going to so, say that is
2: whole, like yeah, like the core. Cool, that is uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at now. Optimum living I yeah. I was, your I best life. I was I was leveling
1: up. I was the, the, <laughs> raving, the raving was happening. The meeting and hanging out with girls was happening. We just got a house um, with <laughs> me and some of my boys. It was about to be so me, <laughs> we we already had plans for days about what we we're going to do in that house, and we had already started.
3: Wow, um, and it was <laughs> interesting <laughs> because
1: it was. I believe it was October 2009. And we're we're in Olive Room just having like a normal casual conversation, just me and the boys. And we're just talking about life and uni experience and body counts and all that stuff. Wow. I love how are you
2: it in that life, wow, experiences, this, this, it's, body it's count. This was this
1: was the conversation. And obviously each person was giving their little shout out and their little testimony of what they've experienced, what they've done. Um and then it was my turn, and then I said my piece. And it was quite profound. Um, have you guys seen the movie, Get Out? Yeah. yeah. You know, the um, the scene where Daniel's in the sofa and he's like dropping Sticky. into yeah, the yeah. sun. That's, That's what it felt like. Wow. Um, so I think because it was the first time I had spoken out loud, out loud about everything that I had done wow. at uni. Wow. So after I finished saying what I was saying, it felt like I was falling down and I was hearing back everything I had just said. Yeah. And everyone was still talking, and I'm watching them Mm. talking, but but at the same time, I'm hearing everything I said. You've said that out of the
0: experience. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and in that moment, I realized that the guy I described sounded like the guy I wanted to be when I was in school Mm. and who my boys were, but didn't sound like me. Mm. And that's when I realized I no longer recognized who Who I was. was. I knew I needed to change, wow. and that was my first initial encounter. And my solution was okay. I need to start going back to church yeah, um, yeah. for whatever reason, and then it just started from there.
4: So, can I jump in that? So, were you a Christian beforehand? Um, why did Uni do this to people? Anyway, we can talk Uni later. But <laughs> were you why were you a Christian beforehand? Like, so you said that you recognised that yeah. you weren't like this person think, that yeah. you like that you originally were. Yeah, how like. What was
1: that like? How did you know? So I was I was raised a Catholic. Okay. So I went to church with my family. And obviously when I turned 16 and my mom couldn't make me go anymore, I stopped mm. going. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to uni and people were going to church, I was like, mm. yeah, yeah, I'll come, I'll come. Mm. But obviously Fine. lectures Monday to Friday, Saturday <laughs> you go raving, Sunday you're just trying to sleep and chill, you yeah. don't really yeah. want to go to church. Um, I think in terms of me changing, I think I grew up quite introverted, quite insecure, mm. quiet. But because of the things I was doing in my free time, People assumed I was really bubbly and yeah. out there. Yeah. So when I got to uni, my mindset was I mean, people already think I'm this guy. I'm this guy. Let so me just be this guy. Yeah. Wow. And I became yeah. that guy and realized that this guy isn't yeah. me. And yeah. the same things I wanted to change about myself were the unique qualities about me that I should have kept. So that's why I was yeah. like, okay, I yeah.
3: need to just. It's i need like to give yeah. five minutes and we're already pre yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love what well, you said there. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, um, what would you say? Because I know like when I think about my walk, yeah. like obviously there's loads of things I'm grateful for. Yeah. And obviously outside of salvation, which I'm yeah. most grateful for, yeah. I'm, I'm happy about the way that God is molding me Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sort of shaping my character. Yeah. What would you say is the thing like that you're most grateful for yeah. in terms of your character?
1: I think there's two, internal and external. Um, one thing I'm grateful for internally is the love that God's sown into my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing that I'm developing a deeper love for people mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. things are affecting me emotionally that never used to affect me before.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: and it's only, it can only be God. Like mm-hmm. there'll be times I'll be at home, I'll be watching something on TV and there'll be a sad scene. And I'm like, oh, my heart. i <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Why is, <laughs> why is my heart grieving over this? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or why am I caring about certain things yeah. I didn't care before? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is one of the big ways it's definitely shaped me, especially for the work that I'm in. Um, and it's essential and needed. Externally, I think he's changed the way I view females and see seagulls. Okay. Um, and I recognize that because growing up, my mindset was, I definitely want to get married to one person. Mm-hmm. I could only get one person anyway, so I need to just work to get that one person mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I get to uni and suddenly my mindset is, like, how do you guys girl? marry one person? There's, there's <laughs> oh, so sure many to choose that's from. That's like, that wow. like, there's, there's Congolese there, there's Nigerian there, there's Spanish oh, there, there's right. Filipino. Like right. How do I just choose one where there's <laughs> wow But then I got saved and then my mind went back to, I just need one One. person. Mm. And it's funny because I knew once upon a time, my mind was Mm. the latter of multiple people. Mm. But I couldn't see that anymore. But Mm. because I had experienced it, it felt like two different people, Mm. even though it was just me. Mm. So I think I'm definitely grateful for the fact that I'm developing a deeper love for other people. And the fact that I can look at women as friends and sisters without an ulterior motive to do something else with them. So I think those are the two.
0: That's quite similar to me as well in terms of like, the first one like increased empathy like yeah. i'm i'm able to meet people where they are yeah and and not judge them yeah, yeah. um and yeah before that obviously that's what i was doing mm. um tell us about how you got started in ministry obviously you were were you ordained at 25 24 24 yeah. as a youth pastor mm-hmm. yeah. so tell us about how how that even came about
1: in terms of th- My first service to ministry, or just had the whole youth pastor in. how did the guess the
0: youth
4: pastor in? Like you went from uni and then
2: sunken place, and then youth pastor. Can we get some
1: context? Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to piece the dates together and go really quickly. So, um, got saved January 2010. Got baptized May 2010. um, Joined a discipleship course um, at my current church that one of the pastors was leading. Um through that ended up kind of serving within that ministry. So that was my first ministry experience. And it was just, we had a graduation ceremony and the pastor asked me just to help support and do some things. And I did that, but what was really interesting is that she had told me a year later that her reason for choosing me is that she had a conversation with God mm-hmm. and God said to her, you need to keep him busy and you need to give him a work
2: mm-hmm. or else yeah. he's going to get bored and stray yeah. away. Wow! And I think
1: definitely me keeping my hands full mm-hmm. um has yeah. kept me focused. Yeah. So important. Um, so what happened was the youth pastor at the time had approached me and this was probably within my, I think near the end of my first year being saved, maybe at the start of my second year, asking me to be part of the um, the youth leadership team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I digress, let me rewind back. I was having a conversation with one of the brothers and he asked me what was my plan for ministry because mm-hmm. he saw that I was serving in the discipleship course. I told him that my heart is for the young people and to help them. So my assumption is maybe, and I was 21, 21 at the time, I said, maybe when I turn 25, mm. I'll be a youth leader. I'm um, like one of the other brothers I'd seen once I've kind of learned more about the Bible and yeah. matured. Um, and then maybe when I'm thirty, natural progression has become youth pastor. Mm. And then after a few years, just maybe be a general pastor. Cause that's what I just assumed yeah. was a natural progression. Mm. And that's what you get saved. Then everybody's like, I now need to be a pastor. because <laughs> That's what God wants. <laughs> yeah. um, so obviously I'm now, yeah, I'm now 21 and my youth pastor approaches me asking me to basically join the leadership team. And I was thinking, sure.
2: why me? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't even yeah. I don't even
1: know the youth in church yeah. like mm. that because the youth I was working with from other churches. Mm. And I'm like, I don't even know the church like that. Like, are you mm. sure you want me to be one of the youth leaders? I don't get it. Mm. And I was thinking as well, I kind of wanted to join when I was 25. This is definitely four years <laughs> way ahead <laughs> see, see. of what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but prayed on it, thought about it, went back and forth. Um, Yeah, decided to say yes, acknowledged it, joined the team and then three years passed, a few things happened within the team, um, with the pastor as well, and then got ordained at 24, so six years earlier than I planned or wanted. (laughs) Um, But then that was a whole story, that was a whole experience and I think it made sense upon reflection. Were you hesitant at first? Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't want it.
3: Why I I didn't want it. It changes life.
1: I didn't want it because in my mind I had an assumption of what a pastor was meant to be like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew that wasn't me. Um, yeah. Like in my mind, I thought a pastor had to be a grown man who was married, maybe with children, wore a suit, would just quote scripture left, right, just loved I don't know, people. The pages of the Bible, like, yeah, the I just numbers. thought that's what pastors were. I'm like,
3: that's,
1: that's, first of all, I was like, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want the title, I don't want expectations, I don't want people mm-hmm. watching me. Yeah. I'm happy to serve, I'm happy to do the work. I just don't want the title. Mm. Um, and at the time, there were three other people in our team. And I was really persuading my youth pastor to choose them because they had been saved longer. They knew more wow. Bible than me. They were more experienced in ministry and people loved them more. Mm. So I was like, why are you even looking mm. at me when there's these three people? Mm. You can choose. There was more people in the team, but those three were the other options as well. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, choose, choose them. And it was months of literally me and him going back and forth. And he was meeting with the other people as well and having discussions with them and we're all just pointing at each other. Wow. And I try to tell him, No, you need to you, you need choose to choose them, them. you need yeah. to choose them. We're all going back and forth. So it was it was a long journey. Mm. Um I basically got set up in the end. I got set up. Um like <laughs> it, it all unfolded. It all unfolded. <laughs> it was a big setup, but leading up to it, there was a lot of back and forth with me saying, No, it's not for me, choose someone else, and him trying to kind of persuade me and win me over. Mm. But I think I think the challenging thing is that during that period as well, people were starting to see the pastoral calling.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: one thing I couldn't deny was the fact that three years prior, I told God that this was a desire of my heart. Oh, mm. anyway. And though yeah. I didn't think deep about it, just by saying it, he heard the yeah. innocent plea and wow. took me by my word. Wow. So it was like, Lord, I know I said this three years ago, and I know it's in there, but I'm not. Yeah. I, I, said, <laughs> I said, 30, you're, you're trying to do this like... I was I was 23. I was like you're trying to have me think about this at like 23 yeah. like I said 30 like what's why are we having this discussion? Um so yeah, it was it was an experience. It was definitely an experience.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. And it sounds like obviously you had that initial hesitation but yeah. You, it was it was incumbent upon you to to obey. Yeah. To be obedient. Yeah. And to respond to the call. Yeah. Um obviously we go to the same church yeah. and last week you preached a sermon about um obedience, yeah. and the fact that we have we have the wrong perception of what it actually means to obey um and to listen to God's command. yeah, um, what would you say about that shift in perception that we need to have?
1: I think I think scripture says it all that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the first the first thing that we need to be mindful of. and secondly, Scripture says we could that we should pray for God to give us a clean heart. And what tends to happen is that we get we get saved, we come into the house, but we don't realize that there's still perceptions from the world mm, that we still mm, have within. You know, yeah. And though we change our external character and external behaviors, we don't exchange or change our internal thoughts. Mm. So just we think because you know we're being kind to people because we're saying nice things, because we're advising, mm. because we're praying. Mm. We are assume because we're doing all these external things that that's now changing our character. Wow. But mm. until we actually think, okay, am I being more patient? Am I being more loving? Am I being more considerate? Mm. Am I taking the time to care? Am I saying yes, even though I wanna say no? That's when you truly know. And I was having this conversation with a friend of mine about the gifts of the spirit. And we'll talk about how people focus a lot about the, um, the miraculous gifts of prophesying, of speaking in tongues but no one ever thinks about the fruit of the spirit of Mm. love, peace, joy. Mm. That people tend to rate their maturity by what things that they can expose to people. Oh, Mm. I can speak in tongues for an hour, therefore Mm. I must be deep in salvation. But if you can't be patient when someone's grilling you, are you actually growing? And you know, we shall know them by their fruits. That's what the scripture says, not by necessarily their character. Mm. So we will see the fruits in you because you can pray for as long as you like, but if I ask you to help move a bag and you're saying no, then you're contradicting everything that you're saying mm. um so yeah
4: so in terms of what you've just said and yeah. then you being called to be a youth leader yeah um like what what was that because you obviously obeyed god's command but then i'm sure a lot of things in you hadn't changed and i'm sure there's so many people including myself yeah that right you write you you write yourself off because yeah. god's asked you to do something yeah. but you're not obedient in so many other areas in your life. So yeah. then you're like, no, I'm not gonna do it because I'm not good enough. Yeah. So how did you obey and then transform all yeah. at the same time? Because you said yes, yeah. Yeah. when I'm sure, like you said, you really didn't want to. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I think it's multifaceted. I think I said yes, because I realized I needed to do this. Mm. Um, this is this is this this was actually the setup. Um, there was something going on with my youth pastor and his family, and he basically had to travel back home um, and he was at the airport and he called me whilst at work. Um, and he's like, yeah, Grady, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. He's like, I'm at the airport. I'm about to go on the flight. I was like, cool. He's like, I've told Pastor P who's our head pastor that if anything happens with the youth, he should call you. I was like, sorry, what? He goes, yeah, I basically need to step up now. I was like, I'm saying what? He goes, yeah, he's going to call you, be a man. I was like, Huh? do, do, do. I was like, I was
2: like, mm, I was like what's,
1: what's, just, what's just happened here? Um. But I realized that he had some personal things that he had to take care of. So he couldn't focus his attention on the ministry and someone needed to step in and someone needed to do something. Mm. And that's when mm. I realized I had to no longer think about myself so, yeah. and mm. think about him and think about the ministry on the call. Mm. So I had to kind of neglect my own selfish feelings because it wasn't about me and there was more to it and there was more at hand. Yeah. Um, so that's what initially kind of forced me to kind of take that step. And then the second thing we were having to meeting and then he had gone back And our senior pastor had thanked me for supporting him and being there for him. I was like, yeah, you know, that's fine. I'll just help him. My big brother It's okay. He goes, yeah, you know, we now want to talk about the transition into you becoming youth pastor. I was like, I'm sorry. When did we, when did we, when did we agree to this transition? Mm -hmm. And they just started talking and they already told the other leaders in the church. So people already talking about it. But I just didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And what was funny was people started calling me pastor. So I was like, Lord, have you revealed to them that I'm a pastor? (laughs) And someone told me afterwards, no, there was a meeting. And he basically disclosed that that was the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially it was just, I realized that there was a job to do. Um, I think that was the forefront of my mind. There's a job at hand. Um, It's no longer about how I feel. It's no longer about how I see myself. It's no longer about who I am. I need to commit to this role. And I need Mm -hmm. to commit to this job because it's, it's bigger and it's greater than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what kind of got me into action and got yeah. me serving and working. Um, what changed my heart and my thinking was I always disqualified myself, but my pastor had given me a book and there was a scripture in that book and it was 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, which basically says, God uses the foolish things of the world so to confound well, the well, wise, yeah. and he uses the weak things of the world to put to shame, the mighty. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me because I definitely felt and thought I was an underdog Mm. Um, And I definitely knew I couldn't do this by my own might. I knew I didn't have the wisdom, the caliber or the spirituality to do everything that I'm meant to do in this role. Mm. But realizing that God chooses people like me, he chooses the weak, um, he chooses the unintellectual, Mm. um, he chooses the unwise, Mm. he chooses us that way he can kind of glorify and magnify himself through us, that's why we've been chosen. Because if I knew all the scriptures, and if I was, yeah. you know, the best Christian in the world, then people would end up praising me and mm. glorifying mm. mm. me because in they the already see that. As well. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. i would yeah. be like, yeah, I've, I've got this. Like, like this I'll is me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But when things would happen and I knew this isn't me, automatically yeah. Mm. Yeah. all I could do is praise him. Yeah. Yeah, and automatically all everyone else yeah. can do is say, yeah, there's, there's something great at works yeah. here yeah. because this isn't who I thought he was and this isn't who he turned out to be. And during the time, there was a lot of things happening in the church as well. So there was a lot of people who were very skeptical about me and About my loyalty to the house, so mm. yeah, there was a lot of stuff happening during that season, so yeah, so, it's, know, a yeah it's a whole
0: nice journey. Um, I feel like that leads us nicely into like talking about serving, yeah, serving others and serving in God's house. Um, I know I had a stage in my walk where I was comfortable with going to church every yeah. Sunday, being edified by the word and going home. And mm. that was me and God for that week. That was my service to God or my contribution. Yeah. Um, but obviously, as I grew, I understood that I have a duty not only to edify myself, but to pour into others, um, you know, die to self and, yeah. and for the sake of other people. So how important do you think it is to to have that servant's heart yeah. in, in order to build up the church yeah. and would you say that's the only place that, that we can yeah. serve God?
1: Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ said himself, they didn't come here to, to be served, but to serve. Mm. And if we're trying to be Christians, Christ-like disciples and followers of Christ, then we need to emulate everything that you said. So if he's here washing the feet of the disciples and if he's here feeding them, if he, and if he's here helping them, then how much more should we be doing the same thing? Um, I think for me personally, I knew in myself, I needed to change. And I didn't like who I was. So if a pastor told me that I needed to sweep, I was going to sweep. Mm. If they said wash dishes, I was going to wash dishes. Mm. I knew they wasn't for me to be prideful because I was trying to become a better person. Mm. So how can I come with the same energy mm. and power and force of who yeah. I was before when I'm trying to be someone else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, wow. service is imperative because when we, look at, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at our faith, it's got nothing to do about us. Mm. It's about how we treat other people. Mm. You know, Scripture said itself that um, um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's love is emulated by him giving his son to be sacrificed to us. Um, Scripture says that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So whilst we hated him and degraded him and disrespected him and rejected him, he still died for us. He didn't die for Christians, he didn't die for believers, but he died for the sinners. Mm. So if Christ is doing all these things and if God is doing all these things for others, then how much more are the children of God meant to do that for others as well? Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously there's there's plenty more scriptures, but ultimately it's just about us being there for other people. It's about us bearing the burdens of other people, bearing the pains of other people, supporting and helping other people. And our service is not just limited within the church, but it's limited outside of the church as well, Mm. because we're called to be witnesses to the entire world. Mm. So whether you're at work, whether you're at uni, whether you're at college, at school, with your family, with your friends, outside, wherever you are, you are called to be a witness Mm. and you're called to reflect Christ (laughs) onto other people as well. And I think we get into this idea that we have to do everything in church. And Mm. the problem with that is you end up being one person in church and another person outside of church. Because pastors say sweep and you are quick to sweep that floor. But your mom tells you to sweep and you're huffing and puffing and you're saying (laughs) no or you're walking off. (laughs) So we just have to be the same person in house and out of house and you just have to be consistent and that's when you can tell that you're growing and you're actually maturing in a sensitive matter.
3: So Mm -hmm. how do you balance being obviously that and giving to others and also forming boundaries within yourself? Because I'm reading a book right now and one thing I've always done is give, give, give. But then because I've given, 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 I haven't formed my boundaries, I haven't cared for myself, I haven't you know, had that balance. So yeah. how do you find that balance within your ministry and just yeah. being a Christian yeah. and then giving?
1: I think find things that you're interested in doing and do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think I'm a very simple person. I'm okay just to be at home, watch TV and make a cup of tea and sit back. That, I'm I'm just chilled with that. I think sometimes we neglect our free time. Um, we neglect our leisure time. We neglect our social time so we can serve and do things for other people. Mm. If there are things that you love doing, schedule time to do that and make it a consistent routine. Because what you want to do is you want to prevent burnout rather than intervene in the midst of burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And if you have a team with you, or if you have people around you, then spend some time with them and share your burdens with them. What tends to happen when you're in ministry, especially if you're a leader, is that you you carry the weight within yourself And because some of the things that you carry are quite sensitive to other people, you don't really want to share. Mm. Um, You can pray, you can worship, but there's another level of intimacy when you can actually bear the load of another being Mm. and with someone else as well. And because we carry such weight, this is how some leaders get into depression. Mm. Um, this is how some pe- leaders end up leaving ministry. This is how some leaders even fall into sin because they desire their intimacy from someone else. Mm. And they rather go to someone who's unsaved because wow. then they don't have to bear the weight of the consciousness of them knowing exactly what you're doing. Mm. Wow. Because if you try that yeah. with someone who is wow. saved, they're wow. gonna know exactly yeah. what you're doing yeah. and yeah. scriptures yeah. are gonna roll out. So sometimes it's easy to go to a stranger who doesn't know God's love, who yeah. doesn't know God's yeah. word, mm. because then you no longer feel like a, tr- a contradiction mm. and you no longer feel fake. Mm. So you can you can play one person to the mm. unsaved, and they play a different person to the saved, wow. and they'll have no idea because you're so comfortable yeah. in the um, yeah. in the yeah. falsehood that That's you're projecting so to others. Um, so I think yeah, definitely find the balance for yourself. And if you do feel that burden, um, if you do feel that weight, then feel free to kind of step away and take some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there'll be leaders out there who'll tell you there's no such thing as a sabbatical. There's no such thing as taking break in ministry. You have to die die to self. But if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to take care of the sheep? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important that you do take care of your mental health and your own physical and spiritual and emotional Mm well-being and financial well-being to a certain extent as well. (laughs) Yeah,
5: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Has there been a time where um, you've had that... So you've just given like this like pretty much perfect answer to the question in terms of like just actually having the things that you want and setting that time aside for yourself. But has there been a time where fine, you've established that within yourself, but there's been an expectation from somebody else, like you just said at the end actually, that some people, you know, there's no, I've heard people say to me like, if you're a ministry, you're no longer a private person, you're a public person, so you don't have time for, you know, I, I, I. So have you been in the face of the actual conflict materializing and then how did you navigate that?
1: I have, and I still am. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I realize that you can't please everyone. That's one. And two, people will always throw their expectations onto you. Yeah. But what you need to do is you need to get to a place where you know yourself well enough, you know what you're doing well enough, and you know the ministry and your duties well enough as well. Um, I find that the reason why a lot of people have these expectations is because for some of them, they don't know the scriptures for themselves and they don't know the walk for themselves. So for example, you have people who will be calling you, demanding that you lead them in a Bible study, demanding that you teach them because you're a pastor. So you're called to teach mm. and to share knowledge, not realizing that scripture says you should study for yourself mm. and you should learn for yourself and to grow for yourself. Mm-hmm. But because they don't realize this, they expect you to do all the work for them. Yeah. Um, and you can't blame them because of lack of knowledge, but what you need to do is be able to counsel them in a way that they realize that this isn't actually my job and this isn't actually what you need to do. Mm. So a lot of the challenges that I face is parents and guardians having a certain expectation for me as you've passed amongst the youth, not realizing that biblically speaking, you're called to pastor your own children mm. and you're called to teach and lead your own children. All I am is a facilitator. Yeah, that's um, great So example. I just come and I support your work. I don't mm. do your work for you. Yeah, wow. that's But if you say that, that to cool. them, that's wow. how offense comes along.
2: Mm. Um, so yeah. that's why you need
1: to kind of learn how to articulate yourself in a way where they're not offended, um, but you correct them, but it's all done in love as well. Mm. Um, so how do I navigate? I reflect, I think, I don't take things emotionally because that's what I did once upon a time and I'd mm-hmm. get really annoyed. Um, yeah. And then I just kind of communicate my grievance in a way that they could understand. and then find a way where we can work together so we don't have this conflict in the future, and for some it works, um, for others it doesn't, and yeah. we just kind of just have some space and just step away, and just let that uh, go through, really. Mm. Okay. So, yeah,
2: mm.
0: I can see uh, like there's an obvious um, reoccurring thing in your in your life, which is young people. Yeah, your youth pastor. Yeah. you work in a secondary school. Um, would you say that that is that's what you've been called to? Is that what you're what you're passionate about? Yeah and then my second question is um who okay. discipled you yeah. tell us about about that journey in discipleship for you so
1: cool. interestingly enough i don't think that's my my purpose yeah i think once upon a time i definitely thought youth are my purpose um because of obviously my, my ministry because of work and because of all the other things i do ar- amongst young people so i definitely thought yeah i'm called to youth this is my purpose this is my calling um but i think what I'm finding now in this season that I'm in is that God's starting to change my mind and he's starting to change my heart. And certain things that I wasn't interested in, I'm now becoming interested in. And things that I really was interested in, I'm no longer becoming interested in. Mm. And that's how I'm realizing that, okay, I'm going through a season and the same prophetic words I heard before that I didn't Mm. really understand, now I'm starting to see, okay, how they're now starting to shape. Because Mm -hmm. it's easy for me to be like, "Mm, yeah, whatever, we'll see because my heart and my head was in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now my heart and head is turning towards that. It's like, oh, so I'm now understand. I'm seeing how it can materialize yeah. mm-hmm. and how it's going to manifest because it first needs to start in me. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't start in me, I'm never going to step into that call. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I don't think, I no longer believe or think that they're my sole f- focus or, my purpose. Mm. Um, I definitely believe that they were a stepping stone to what I need to go into next. Yeah. Because one of the things I needed mm. to learn was patience, mm. and young people would definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. teach you <me laughs> patience yeah. in a way yeah. that yeah. you wouldn't imagine. Um, not to say that my patience is perfect or is great, but I think compared to who I was before, yeah. it's yeah. definitely matured and developed. Um, and my discipleship was interesting. Um, my first discipleship was was a female pastor, and she was. Um, part of the discipleship course that I joined, mm. and yeah, she was she was amazing. She was God centered. She was very much in her word. Everything to her was just the word and God, God and magnifying and serving God. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was very disciplined as well. So it was very easy for me to get to step into my walk and just be and just be disciplined yeah. and get things in order. Um, so she was my first, my first, I'd say, key disciple. Um second was my youth pastor. Um what was great about him was he was he was African, so he was he was a Ugandan typical African man and we shared a lot of similarities. Um and we, we clashed a few times as well at African Pride. Um, <laughs> so it was great because we just we just understood each other, we understood African household, we understood what African men were meant to be like, we had a certain um conception about society and around people, so we were able to connect really well. Um and we're still close to this day. I consider him the the big my big brother mm. um, in life. And it's funny because even when I stepped into ministry as youth pastor, some of the leaders would be like, I see why he appointed you because mm. I'm just I feel like I'm just looking at another version of him like mm. in a refreshing way because you're a lot more westernized. But <laughs> yeah. but it's still <laughs> we're still seeing that pattern and that discipline yeah. um and that fortitude as well. Mm. Um so yeah, and I'd say thirdly, my senior pastor, um he wasn't always as hands on as the other two, but he's always been there for me. Um, When it comes to ministry and progression and growth, I'd say that's where he takes the lead Um, because obviously he sees things in me um, that I didn't necessarily see before and he still sees things in me that I don't fully see, nor do I fully want to see, but he sees it and he's willing to support and to push me and do the best to get me to where God wants me to be. Um, So I'd say they were my, my main lead people who discipled me, but then there's also just like friends that I'm accountable to, friends who advise me, people who I'm around who kind of give their little bits of wisdom now and again that I kind of hold on to and try to follow.
3: So how do you let other people be there for you in the context of the fact that obviously you have a lot of wisdom because obviously you're a pastor, but also sometimes you don't because you're human. So how do you let other people, like your disciples and your friends and other people in your life pour into you and advise you and be there for you?
1: Um, I don't always, mm. to be completely honest. Um, I was raised a very private person. Um, so my parents told me, you, you know, you don't talk about household things outside to people. Um, you don't air out your dirty laundry. You, you very much keep that to yourself. Um, I think I've had to teach myself to be a bit more open. And I've had to teach myself to communicate and to be vulnerable with other people. Um, I'd say there's probably a handful of people in my life who I speak to if I was really going through something really difficult. Um, And that's because I trust those people with my life. Um, And I know regardless of what I say, um, they're they're not gonna change their opinion about me. They're not gonna change the way they look at me. They're not gonna treat me any different because some people do that. You kind of share something Mm -hmm. and suddenly you're no longer who they thought you were Mm -hmm. and they start switching up on you. Um, But with these people, they've known me long enough and they've seen me at my different stages to fundamentally know who I am. So if I'm going through something, they're not going to think this is who Grady is. They're just going to think, this is just a season he's going through. Yeah. Um, so I think for those deep rooted well, things, yeah. there's only three or four people in my life that yeah, I'd be open good, to yeah. and share with. But for those things that aren't as deep but still hurt, I'm definitely accountable to my team. Um, it's really important to be open to your team because they need to know where you're at. Um, and the reason why, especially if, it, if it's something that could be exposed to others, the reason why it's important for me to be accountable to my team is because if there's ever a time and it has been a time, where people are now talking about you and they hear about it they know what's happened to be able to stand to your defense yeah. mm-hmm. so no one's going to blindside them um, no one's going to catch them the fact that they didn't expect they're going to know the whole story mm-hmm. so that they can correct anyone who's saying anything mm-hmm. else um and also as a leader i want them to be accountable to me so how can i expect something from them if i'm not willing to give it yeah. to them first yeah. um so yeah definitely i'm definitely accountable to the people who i work closely with Um, But for those deep rooted things, there's only three or four people that I share it with. But I try my best not to bear burdens. Um, But I Mm. know I do because I'll bear something and then I'll tell someone and they'll be like, how long has this been going on for? Mm. And I'll be like, oh, eight months to a year. And they're like, eight months to a year. We've been talking every (laughs) Um, week and you didn't mm. say anything. I was like, yeah, but that's because you didn't ask. And even if you did ask, I wouldn't tell you because I still needed to kind of go through it yeah. because I was I was in the heat of it so I needed to kind of navigate what I was thinking what I was feeling to be able to effectively communicate it to you just so you can understand as well
0: I think so that's nice. a man thing as well though yeah oh absolutely it's a man thing to saying. hold it in like and try and solve it
3: on your own really I don't think so because I, I struggle with that as well and I think for me it comes from a place of thinking no one I don't want to say it's, I think it's pride sometimes for me because I'm like I don't think anybody can tell me something I don't already know oh. in terms of like Advice or wisdom, yeah. So it's like I know I have to trust God. I know all these things. I don't. I don't need to tell you because you're going to tell me the same thing. But actually, sometimes I have opened up, and sometimes people have told me things that I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. okay, you know more than me, so that's fine. So yeah, I do think okay, maybe yeah. On one hand, it is a a male thing in general. Yeah, but on the other hand, I also think when you like, it's it can be a pride thing in terms of if you feel like you. Know it all, or you have mm. a lot of wisdom, then you can't mm. shut other people out. And that I think, think that's
5: the question is actually. Then um, you meant you use the phrase like you shouldn't bear your burdens on your own. And I think when you have a mindset that like well no one's gonna solve it for me, yeah, you don't understand what it means to share a burden because mm. sharing a burden is not always. And this is like something that I've learned. It's not always about someone actually helping you or giving you words of wisdom. It's Mm -hmm. actually just to share the burden in and of itself. And I think you have to get to a point, especially if you're someone who's a problem solver you want things a certain way, you have to get to a point where you understand that actually part of the the pressure is relieved Mm -hmm. or... the healing begins just by sharing whether or not the person oh, can offer yeah. a solution in mm-hmm. the first place. Mm-hmm. But I actually had a question for some people who might be listening who may not know, what to you is, a, is discipleship? Is that something that only happens in a pastoral context? Should people be looking to have someone discipling them or have people there discipling? What exactly mm-hmm. is it?
1: I think that's a loaded question because oh. in, my, <laughs> in my opinion, what disciple is today is not what I believe the disciple is in the Bible. Okay. Um, I think discipleship is ultimately leading someone and teaching them to become more like christ Mm -hmm. Um, a disciple is a follower of christ Mm -hmm. so naturally you are a learner and you're trying to emulate Um, you know paul said himself um imitate me as i imitate christ or follow me as i follow the example of christ yeah um so essentially we're meant to try to to transform ourselves so we look and we represent christ jesus Mm -hmm. um no it's not something that should be limited within the church no, it's not something that should be limited to just pastors or leaders. We're all called to be disciples and therefore we're all called to make disciples as well. Mm, Um, The reason why I said it was a loaded question is because I believe to truly make a disciple requires time and commitment. So if I'm gonna disciple you, I need to be around you. I need, be, need to be talking to you. I need to be counseling you. I need to be spending time with you. Mm. I needed to spend time with me. I needed to come around with me and to see what I do in my day-to-day life. So you can understand how I'm trying to project Christ. Likewise, I need to spend time with you to see where you might be going wrong, where I can counsel you. Otherwise where you might be going right where I can encourage you. Mm. But obviously with life the way it is, with work and with commitments, it's very hard to get that quality time mm. they can spend with someone. You know, it took Christ three years with the disciples to get into a place where you can now say, "I'm now passing on the baton to mm. you." But mm. some of us, we want to disciple someone for three months and say, "You're now there." Wow. How yeah. how does that work? And well, those are three, and yeah. are three years of They we, were following him. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. once a week,
5: and, yeah. and they a still month.
1: weren't perfect at the end of it, and they still mm-hmm. made mistakes. But yeah. with us, we have a, a weekly meeting for an hour, mm, and think. now you're good mm-hmm. to go. Let's get into ministry. It doesn't mm-hmm. quite work, and I yeah. think we're making the best out of the situation that we're in. I think discipleship takes a lot of work, mm, and great. what makes it difficult is not everyone wants to be discipled. True. They say they want to be discipled, yeah. but they're not willing to put in the work and the commitment to they be want discipled. The
5: answers maybe like I mean, many of us so. do. It's kind of it. It sounds like it's like really similar to like like it sounds like a version of like Christian mentorship in yeah, a way, and that. it makes yeah. me think What's of like. When mentors always say that actually people think oh I want this person to be my mentor I don't know I want Mark Zuckerberg to be my mentor like Oprah like yeah. because they think that if they sit down in a room with them they're yeah. just gonna like get some something that will basically make them like a copied ver- like a copy and paste version yeah. of them yeah. but actually if you're mentee the work is on you the onus yeah. is on you to yeah. make sure that you're getting yeah. the value that you're yeah. making it a good use of the mentor's yeah. time it's yes. not somewhere where you go and you're like. Can I have the answer to life yeah. because that person, first of all, doesn't have them. And yeah, yeah it's just not the dynamic. Yeah. you
1: don't know how your mental is going to switch up because mm. people say the same thing about me. And my response is, you're saying that, but you don't know what I'm like as a mental. Because you see me and I'm smiling That's and true. I'm very friendly. Mm-hmm. When I'm now accountable for you mm. and I know that the responsibility of your soul is now on my hands. Listen, the demeanor and the attitude mm. switches because mm. I'm going to need to to change certain things about your life. Mm-hmm. So I might see you behaving in a way mm-hmm. and I might tell you maybe you should stop doing that and you could air me or you can listen, it's up to you. But if I'm now your mentor, mm-hmm. even more so am I going to get onto you and I'm not going to take no for an answer because you've now given me this position and this mm-hmm. role. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take it seriously because mm-hmm. when it's now judgment day, and I'm now having to give an account of the people mm-hmm. I'm accountable to, mm-hmm. it's important for <laughs> it's <true> your <laughs> benefit and for yeah. you that I give a good account. Mm-hmm. Because if I give a bad account, <laughs> it's not on me, it's... It's on you. Mm. So for your sake, you need to ensure that you're actually following and you're actually being yeah. obedient and you're listening, because we're all trying to get somewhere and we all want to get through those heavenly gates. So.
4: And I think it's also. like so important to have friends that you're accountable to, because like it changes your dynamics. I remember yeah. my my mentor. He was like, "You and your friends have a poor example of accountability because you all do the same things, which are madness." And it, and he was like, "Fine, you're all <laughs> trying to find Christ." Yeah. But in this one, and he was so honest, and I was like, "No." They don't do anything wrong. He was like, "But your understanding of accountability is actually what you said. Like, we all check. Like, and as soon as we started holding each other accountable, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we were we would were, we weren't cool the way we were cool yeah. last year. Definitely, we are we rub a lot more because I'm like, they're checking me and I'm checking them, and it does change so much. Yeah. But it means actually our growth in Christ yeah. has changed so much because mm-hmm. people think that accountability is like having friends that are Christians. No, because you can all be Christians." moving mad like that's just how yeah. I see it mm. but actually the the change in our friendship group is because you hold each other accountable and I say that and my friends say to me all the time they're like we're not gonna like I hold you accountable and you're my responsibility and yeah. vice versa and so you're right like it does change and your friendships then do change because I'm not going to stand for certain things that you say or do and yeah. I don't expect them to stand for certain things that I say or do yeah. Um. and so much changes in that but our friendship has changed so much and love is definitely a doing thing mm-hmm. <laughs> more than an emotion because yeah. now i'm like yeah. god <laughs> yeah. oh, let me call her because i said i'm going to call her but i don't yeah. want to but do you know what i mean so I, I definitely agree with you and i think people can find accountability within their friendship groups once they really make that decision to want to have that like transformation yeah. in their heart so yeah wow. absolutely agree. that's great when um there's something i noticed
5: before when you were talking about how what you thought was your purpose or your desires like were shifting mm-hmm. and you were have you were getting slaves. Sorry, so what were you what was going course. on there?
4: Literally I'm like youth advocate, yeah. whatever, for life. And honestly, like now I just have these new desires but it's like frustrating me because I've never had any other desire apart from to be the youth advocate of my whole life and now like I'm in this season where actually I don't think that young people are my purpose and that's so weird because I serve in the youth church I literally I'm a youth worker everything I do is about young people my whole life is young people and now I have all these other desires and interests which I feel like are going to benefit so many more things Mm -hmm. and benefit me and my walk with God in so many different ways that I'm I'm literally in a frustration season right now because I'd yeah. rather just be the young person advocate because that's what I know yeah. mm. and actually so much is shifting yeah. Um, and it's really weird to like think you know your purpose and then and to it change and not yeah. it's not a bad thing I'm yeah. so I'm super excited for the unknown yeah. looking up to the ceiling again yes, I'm like <laughs> God just waiting but yeah like when you're saying that I was like wow yeah. that's actually me like yeah to be what your job yeah. is isn't your purpose but mm. yeah
1: I think one advice I could probably give to you which is what I'm doing now is prepare
4: Okay. Mm. just prepare
1: yourself um, because you don't know what time mm. he's going to call for that shift. Yeah. So better to be prepared so that when it happens you can walk into it mm. than not to be prepared and it happens and you're now worried and frustrated and yeah. scared and anxious. Like um, an so if yeah. there are ways that you can prepare so if whatever he's putting in your heart if it's something that you can read on you can study mm. on and ask people about yeah, take an so interest because yeah. ultimately if it doesn't happen you've still grown and matured and in a way that you probably yeah. wouldn't have That's if good. you didn't consider that um, but if you keep your focus just on youth, then your level of growth would just be on youth. Yeah. And I know for a fact that, obviously when I'm teaching Bible study, there's one thing when you have to teach Bible study to young people,
3: Yeah.
2: there's
1: another thing where you now have to teach it to adults. Yeah. And mm-hmm. unless you're that type of person who just wants to grow and learn and develop and understand, you will very much keep your knowledge base at that level of a yeah. young person. Yeah. Yeah. But when mm-hmm. you now know that you're called to people your own age, yeah. you know that you need to come That's with true. wisdom and with, with knowledge and understanding on a level that the mm. young people aren't going to be able to handle because mm. they're going to ask you questions so that you would you not be able to ahead. imagine. So mm. you're going to really need to get deep. Mm. Um, so yeah, just definitely, just prepare, just prepare grow, develop. Yeah. Ultimately, like I said, it's for your benefit because mm. you will develop as yeah. a disciple yeah. of Christ I'll prepare, anyway. Because
4: I've been running, but I'll prepare yeah, this time.
3: <laughs> 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 and I, I think I'd also say to watch people around you because what yeah. I've seen in my life is that like some things that so exactly the same situation but for me it's been like God prepared me even though I didn't know that he was preparing mm. me and that was also through watching other people around me in yeah. my life doing things and now I'm doing the things they're doing and I'm like because I went to that you know book launch or whatever okay, that, and, and now things, I know what yeah. to do or what not to do yeah. so yeah be be very observant
4: yeah
0: and prepare. yeah
4: cool that was good thanks that was really good
0: um I'm just thinking about like when you were telling us about um the desire that god put on your heart like at the at the start of your walk you yeah. knew that you wanted to serve god yeah. um but you weren't exactly sure what that entailed or what that came with and it must have taken some some sort of blind faith to to step into that um and just trust god so how would you say like your faith has been has been built up mm. yeah. over the years
2: mm.
1: they say they say that um ignorance is bliss it, really it is. is. <laughs> um, it really, because, really is. Because initially, <laughs> I when either. I had that desire to serve, I just wanted to help. That was, that was it. I just wanted to help. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy to, for me to get involved and help. It's but the reason why I hesitate with the pastoral calling, is because I knew understood the risk and the weight of it. Yeah. And I wasn't ignorant to it. Mm-hmm. So therefore I wasn't as quick to say, yes, I want to do this because yeah. I realized uh, the burden that I was going to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, how has my trust developed with God now? oh it's it's developed immensely Mm. um there's things that i do now and i have done that three four five years ago i never would have imagined i never thought no that's not going to be me Mm. um and i think the reason for that is because i said yes um and i think yeah it's just a matter of saying yes because if you say yes to the little by the time you keep stepping, you're gonna realize that you've actually said yes to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, recently I was I traveled to the to the Caribbean a couple of months ago to minister. Um, and prior to that, if anyone ever told me that I was gonna get on a plane and travel to another country and teach and preach, I would have said that's mm. that's that's not me. That's yeah. not me. And I was I was scared. I was afraid, tremendously. and I wasn't gonna go. Even two months before going. I was trying to find a way to get out of it, and yeah. I was talking to friends, and I was talking to God, and I was trying to get trying to negotiate a way to not go.
4: Um, Were you scared about preaching and like?
1: I was. I was scared about preaching, and teaching. The reason why I was scared about preaching and teaching was because these people have invited me over, and they're paying for me, so mm-hmm. they're expecting an something. Yeah. Yeah. and if I don't meet those expectations, like what my what can mm-hmm. I even meet those expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, but an advice that one of my boys gave me was. Grady, they chose you because they saw you on YouTube and they saw you on Instagram and they saw you being you. Mm. So why do you need to become someone that you're not? Yeah. Why do yeah, you need honestly, to change? The they they are paying for, for who they've seen. They're <laughs> yeah. paying for you. Yeah. So go there and show them you. Mm. Um, so that one mm. brought me a lot of comfort. Secondly, I went through, I was going through a season, um, uh, a negative season, a compromising season. So I, I started to disqualify myself mm. um, and I never... I no longer felt worthy, not like, not that I thought I was worthy, but I definitely yeah. didn't think I was yeah. worthy for yeah. it. Yeah. Um I felt I felt fake. Um I felt like I wasn't genuine. I thought I can't now go to another to another country and yeah. preach and teach like I'm all that when I know just a few months ago I was in a diff, I was in a completely yeah, different place. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's not Listen, gonna run. Yeah. Um I remember mm. I was I was talking to two of my friends and they're married. Um and the counsel that the the wife gave me was God has called you and he's told you and he's asked you and now you're going to try gaining in your own, in his way, mm. in your own way. God, like if you believe that God is sovereign, yeah. if you believe that God knows all and sees all, yep. then yeah. can you not believe that he probably would have seen this?
2: Many, but
1: yes, still yeah. he's calling you yeah. and you have a story, you have a journey you have things that you've gone through and that you're going through. Mm. So even more so, should you not go over there and help those people with everything that you've learned? Yeah, Mm. I was like, cool, thanks for that. Um, (laughs) The guy, when I spoke to him, when I spoke to him, he said, he said, it's good what you went through because it's humbling.
2: Mm. And it's
1: now allowed you to see people in a different light. Mm. So if you now talk to people and not that I thought I was prideful, um, not that I thought I wouldn't be sympathetic or empathetic to other people mm. but I realize even more so now I can't yeah. I can't look at so if I'm talking to someone and they're like they've been saved I don't know they've been saved they've been saved a year and they've already fallen or they've already made mistakes I can't now be thinking in my head only a year man mm. I was in there for years before I yeah, went for a situation really. no I. Mm. I, that, I can't even allow that yeah. thought to come in yeah because, because it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Like, yeah, as long as absolutely. we're in this world, yeah. as long as we're in this flesh, we're all vulnerable to sin yeah. yep. and we're all vulnerable to compromising. Yeah. So just because I've been saved X amount of years and you've been saved X amount of years, I cannot think that I'm better or more than you or greater than you because of length of time. Mm. Because lengths of time does not determine maturity. Because mm-hmm. I know people yeah. who have been saved 20, 25 years and you think they've been in the same faith for two or three years mm. by the way that they operate. Mm. And you just, you just don't know. You just don't know. So... He made me realize that, he actually said it was good that that happened. I was like, bro, would
2: you, would you, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> what do but yeah. Mean? He's like, no, it it's good, good because
1: it needed to happen. Yeah. Because if it didn't happen, you could have become very prideful and you didn't even realize. Yeah. I was like, but no. I, he goes, no, because of the things that people say to you and because of the affirmations that you get and the encouragement that you get, it could have been very easy for pride to suddenly come in mm-hmm. without you realizing. So because this has happened now, the Next time someone encourages you, you're going to remember what yeah, happened, yeah, yeah, and it's going to make you realize that, yeah, it's you can me. say thank yeah. you, but, but you know within yourself yes, you're, you're, you're yeah. not that great, yeah. and there's still a lot of work that God needs to do. Mm, um, God. so I think, so yeah, my point is because I went through that experience, if I now get an, another phone call saying, Yeah, I want you to come to this country, I'm going to be more inclined to say yes because I've already done it, yeah, and I'm going to be more trusting in God. Because you already ticked that box. Mm. And I realised that God will take you through the same test again and again and again and again Mm. until you pass it. Because when you pass it, you've now stepped into another Another level level. of trust in him. And and it's funny because I was advising someone to say yes to small opportunities because you don't know what those small opportunities are going to Mm. lead to. So telling someone, yeah, don't be scared to go minister at a different church because you never know. And as I was saying that, God brought remembrance into my mind that the same way I'm saying that to her, remember, just because you've now ministered into one country, next time I invite you to the next part, don't be saying no and don't be doing higgy mm-hmm. huggers about Lord, I'm not too <laughs> <Yeah>. sure because <laughs> you've already proven that you could do it once. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, now you need to that's do that's another. You've already yeah. preached to the hundreds, now I need to preach to the yeah. thousands. You've yeah. to the thousands, now I need to preach to the millions. You just need to keep growing and keep oh developing because right. ultimately you have a message and one mm. thing that has brought mm. me peace is understanding that all I am message. is message. a messenger. Yes. Ultimately, it's God's word. Yeah. So when true. I deliver, true. I'm delivering God's word. If it, if it goes well, it's God's word. If it goes bad, it's God's, God's word. Yeah, and God. that's brought me a lot of peace in my yeah. preaching because there's times yeah. where it's I great. pray to God yeah. and I've said to him, I was like, Lord, if this bang, if this bangs, then everyone's going to look at you and praise you. Yeah. But Lord, if I flop, I'm looking at you. because <laughs> yeah. you, you told me <laughs> you to do this. It. You gave me this word. So if it doesn't go well, I'm looking Literally. at you. So Lord, for your people, you need to make sure that whatever you're doing <laughs> goes right because if it flops, I mean, i'm telling everyone yeah, to look at you yeah. and because i believe that when people are like oh grady well done what i can say is no you need to yeah. you need to thank god because yeah. god did it god delivered it and yeah. god has allowed you to receive it yeah. so you need to be thankful to him
2: yeah. Yeah. so many good things like so, so, good. so many good things so many gems i just think so it's amazing
3: how god like teaches us like i think he just te- like he just takes us through places where he just genuinely sits down with us and teaches us and you don't even realize his teaching until you've come out of it mm. and you're like actually that's that's what i learned in that place and it's overwhelming yeah. mm.
2: um
3: cool so
0: final question the big mm. one okay um, <laughs> tell us um one piece of advice that you'd give to your younger self <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we mentioned it before because um it's yeah it's hard because it's kind of like when someone says you know if you can go back in time say one thing that you change. Mm. Um, and I've come to the understanding that I am who I am because of the past that I've had. Mm-hmm. Mm. So even one little change might change who I am today. Wow. And it might change me for the better, but alternatively, it could change me for the worse. Um, so I don't really have a piece of advice that I would give give to myself because everything, wh- everything I went through, I needed to go through it. Mm. Whether I liked it or not, I needed to go through it. And every heartache, Every pain, every disappointment was was a learning curve um mm. and God's teaching me and shaping my character um so yeah, it's not really a question of looking back it's just about looking forward and anything yeah, anything that, anything that you're not happy about or anything that you're upset about, ensure that that's not in your present or your future, and if it is in your present, then start changing it now so it doesn't continue into your future, mm. so yeah.
3: That's good. Amazing. Thank like, you.
0: Yeah. So good. <laughs> Thank you so Amazing. much. Nice. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me.
1: Here. Praise Thank God.